Hey everybody, welcome to the Time Lords podcast, where we go beyond the buzzwords and learn exactly how people are building the industrial internet as things and using time series data to transform their business. I'm your host, Lonnie Bowling. Today, I'm joined by guest David Saul, the Chief Technology Officer at Omicron. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. So for those that are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, uh, actually, I've been with Omicron since 1989, and we've been Mm -hmm. doing work with Pi ever since that time. We were the original developers of process books, so I go way back. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And uh, in fact, I did the predecessor. I actually wrote the predecessor to process book leading up to it. Nice. And uh, back then, it was before the days of client server, and we didn't know what to call the technology that we were using. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> where you were showing data from another computer on, on your computer. And uh-huh, it, was, uh-huh. it was pretty novel. And we were working with a beta copy of Windows 3.0. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Amazing how things have gone since then, huh? Yeah. Well, it's amazing that the product is still uh, popular and being used. Uh, I don't know if I can name any other products that are that old that are still in use today. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, when something's good, that's what happens. So, I mean, that must make you feel, I I would feel very proud um, of that accomplishment. It's (laughs) it's so great to walk into a plant and and see people using process book. It just, it's it's really uh, quite an honor to be able to see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, people are still using it. People are still um, building on it. I know that, uh, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, older software and it's being replaced by things like PyVision. And which makes sense. I mean, you know, technology does move forward, but, uh, you know, that the base that process book has just as a testament to, uh, you know, the, the need was there and, and you definitely filled it. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So, um, so David, what I wanted to do, uh, was to jump into some of the things that have been on my mind a lot lately. And I, and I, and, you know, with your long, uh, history in, you know, industrial data, the uh, industrial Internet of Things. You know, I, I, I'm really interested in your perspective on kind of what I would term like new buzzwords and new um, things that, uh, you know, comp- companies are talking about and, you know, what, you know, what it means to you kind of like down to earth. You know, uh, I know things that in the past we maybe didn't have a name for something and now we seem to have these names and they get thrown around, but I don't know how many people really understand them. So, so the first one I'm wondering is, you know, when you hear um, the industrial Internet of Things, what does what does that mean to you? I mean, you know, in a, in a real world kind of way. Well, to me, it's it's kind of a flip in architecture from the typical industrial uh, information gathering. In, in an industrial information gathering, you typically have a DCS or a SCADA mm-hmm. or an HMI that that gathers all of the data and then you bring all of that from there into, you know, a data historian such as Pi. Um, so you've got all of these concentrators around there that are you, your control system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the industrial internet of things, we kind of reverse it. We put all of the sensors out and we have direct access from the sensors rather than going through these concentrators. But I think what you're going to see as IIoT matures that there are going to be more and more concentrators. You're already seeing it with Azure IoT and, and uh, some of the things that AWS is doing. They're building these these uh, places to go to kind of concentrate all of the data. 
So, so it, do you feel? It's, go ahead. Uh, do you feel like, um, just on that note, because I know, like, uh, you know, my my perspective has been, you know, that control systems and SCADA systems, you know, have been around forever, right? And yep. and we kind of piggybacked on those, like you said, with with process book was something that brought the, uh, you know, data more to a monitoring and maybe to a wider audience, right? Using that information that was generated at the control level. With the sensors going direct, um, where does, how do the control systems fit into that picture? And, and, and by using sensors, is that gonna, is that gonna mean that um, like other companies that maybe are not just uh, doing controls or other companies gonna be kind of like grouped into this industrial I, internet of things? I mean, how do you feel well, about that? The biases that the biases that the control system needs to know about should go into the control system, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of devices that don't have to. For example, a vibration monitor. Mm -hmm. A vibration monitor is reporting really important information, but a control system isn't going to do anything with that information. It, it's right. somebody in maintenance that's going to say, "Oh, we've got a bearing that's going to be gone out. We better schedule maintenance for that." Right. But the control system has no need for that information. So I just see a whole wealth of other information coming in to a centralized location, such as a Pi server or, or some other data historian mm -hmm. that, will, that will be able to consolidate both the process data and the surrounding data and help you with uh, predictive analytics and um, predictive maintenance uh, and things of that sort. Um, it, it, you may also find some other information. A control system might not be smart enough to use ambient temperature to affect changes to the process because nobody's ever done any studies that, that go beyond the process itself. This is mm -hmm. outside the process. Well, maybe that information comes in, we do some analysis and we see some correlations and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe we got to feed this back to the control system. Right, right, yeah. So, so that's kind of interesting because, you know, we, I think, you know, like historians, data historians, which is what Pi started out as, right? Where, yep. and it really was meant to kind of um, be able to store this data that was in a control system. And so now we've moved beyond uh, a point where uh, there's, there's other systems, like, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that, uh, that we can also start collecting data on and just bringing, bringing all that data into a central place and then being able to do, you know, like you said, these, these correlations, these, these analysis uh, on, on that information and maybe figuring out if there's, you know, if there's bigger f fish to fry or maybe we're going to send it back down to the control system for it to do something with it. But it's, but it's definitely kind of like another layer, right? Yes, it, it definitely is. It's, it's another layer <laughs> of, of abstraction and maturity. Mm -hmm. um, the, the way I see uh, process data is there are really three levels of maturity that, that companies go through. Mm -hmm. The first layer is let's just collect all the data. I don't know what we've got. Let's just collect it all and then we'll see. Mm -hmm. Then the second stage is, okay, now that we've got the data, let's go start looking at it and see what's interesting. And it's just basic data, maybe looking at trends, looking at, um, at, at grids and things of that mm -hmm. sort, and, and you find some interesting information. Then the third layer is what everybody, what I believe everybody is talking about with digital transformation, and that mm -hmm. is doing analysis on all of this data and inferring information from it using a little bit of 
uh, AI and machine learning, using uh, more analyses and advanced analyses to actually take a closer look at what's going on with the system. I think that mm -hmm. in our industry today, everybody's past phase one. I think the vast majority of, uh, of our clientele out there that are, you know, the manufacturing industry are still on maturity level two. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of them starting to move into level three. And you see companies like OSI pushing this level three uh, of maturity now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I feel like that there's there's a general struggle right now with with getting from your two to three. Um, it, it feels like we're pretty comfortable with maybe the first two items. I mean, there's definitely companies that are not using their data at all. And they um, and, and they're still, you know, uh, bringing data in and figuring out, OK, let's just start with two uh, this, you know, where we're just going to view and start and start understanding what we're, what we're looking at. But then that that three, you know, getting into doing um, to figuring out how you can you know, bring more value with that with that data. That seems to be um, so a place where I see a lot of companies are, are kind of trying to figure out, you know, what, what does that mean? How do we get there? What are we going to do? I mean, what are what are some of the, the things that you're seeing with with companies as they're trying to, you know, go through this, you know, what, what everybody calls like this digital transformation, you know, or being data driven. Right. Um, it, it, those are buzzwords are great. Uh, they sound really cool when when CEOs talk about it. But but, you know, there there's this reality now that we're in where, OK, uh, we have this we have this information and maybe we're pulling in more information and maybe we're missing information, but there's a lot of challenges around that. Right. And so what are you, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I do see a lot of companies struggling to get to this level three, uh, for the first time in years. I mean, to me, I've been, I've been seeing the need for this for years. Mm -hmm. Companies see the need for it but they don't quite know how to get there. And really right. some of the, the, the ways of getting there are not gonna be, you know, I'm a computer expert. I, I'm an electrical engineer. I design computers, I program them. Um, it's not gonna be people like me that do it. It's gonna be people that are actually tied to the process and understand the process. The guys in the operations that know, even though it's not written down in my procedure book, when I see this, I gotta do that. Mm -hmm. It's those guys that are going to add the value to it, that understand the process and feed it back to guys like me who can then write the software to make it happen. So, yeah, so the, the term that I that I usually see, you know, for that role is the subject matter experts. Is that, yes, is exactly. that what you hear too? Yeah, yes, so, ex exactly. Yeah, the and, and the successful projects I've been on to date it really does come down down to that person, right? That uh, that really kind of understands that whole process, and they can start, uh, you know, um, figuring out okay, what, what what's possible here, or what would we like to do, and the, and then and then like you said, then that being uh, the driver, right? Where okay, that's what we're going to go after. That's what we're going to try to figure out how we how how we can start accomplishing those things. It does, and and in fact, one of the things that twenty years ago. I, you know, I was doing a lot of work in refineries and pharma plants and so on. Mm -hmm. And everybody was talking about the problem with all the old timers retiring and they're right. losing their industrial knowledge mm -hmm. and they're really concerned about it. And they're like, how do we capture this? And really what we're doing is we're trying to say, 
let's capture it in software now because teaching somebody else is only going to work until that, that person retires, you know, and they mm -hmm. have to pass it on and they have to pass it on. Then it becomes uh, kind of whispered down the lane and you don't know what, what it ends up really being. So um, this is a problem that's been around for a long, long time that everybody's known they need to solve. It's just that finally that's, what they call digital transformation is really solving that problem. It's really taking the industrial knowledge of their subject matter experts and codifying it. And it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I remember a, a quick story. I remember um, in my early days working in a, in a steel mill, um, we had a machine that uh, there, this, this uh, older gentleman operated and it was really, really a tough, tough machine to operate. It was really big and he was way up and he had to like do this alignment with the product and everything. And it was super, super, you know, it was like, it was like driving a sports car or something. And, and this guy had driven it for, you know, 20 years. And um, everybody was dreading the day when he retired because literally nobody else could do what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he was so good at it, right? And so he did retire. <laughs> And I was an engineer and I had to go uh, figure out a way to where a normal person could actually do that. And it wouldn't like destroy the entire line because every time somebody made a mistake, it would, it would just like, it would take hours and the line would be down and it would just be a nightmare. And it would, and, and so, and sure enough, when he retired, that started happening. And then um, we had to put in a bunch of sensors and controls and write a whole bunch of software that basically could allow a normal human to be able to do what this guy was doing. Um, so I guess it's probably something like that, right? Where, where, except that I think the problems are way more complicated, you know, when you get into process control and, um, oh, absolutely. you know, and, and, and now with the correlation of, you know, or not the, but, but with the, with the advent of, of data science, you know, machine learning, those types of things, it makes the problems that we can, you know, these problems that we can actually solve using this technology there, there's way, there way, it's way more widespread, right? We can apply it to a lot of things in process control where before it was not really, um, the technology really wasn't there. I don't think, you know, if you go back even like 10 years ago, I don't think we had all the pieces in place to be able to pull something. Well, off like that. the term data, data science didn't exist. What? 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and now that's the big, <laughs> the big thing in all of the universities. Oh, mm -hmm. take a data science degree. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like data science as a discipline, um, it, it, it's kind of fuzzy to me right now because I don't, you know, initially I thought about data science being, you know, people with PhDs and people that were actually doing science. Right. And, uh, and super smart people, not a lot of them. Um, but you know, data science now there's, there's like a, an applied, data science, I guess, maybe. And I feel like that's kind of more with the, with the new people coming out, you know, with a four-year degree or, or whatever courses they've taken, maybe they've already in, in, you know, in industry for a while and they want to kind of pivot to data science flavor. I mean, what do you, what's your experience around that? Anyway? Well, yeah, I, I, I think data science is a necessary area. I think it's an important one. Um, what it does is it teaches how to look how to look for anomalies, for the correlations, to be able to comb through large amounts of data and pick out key information in there. But I don't think it's enough. I think mm -hmm. that I, I think that um, 
the process understanding is equally as important. And I think it has to be married to the SMEs. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that, you know, just a degree in data science is not enough. After, after you get the degree in data science, you can go to work in a plant and now you got to learn the process because otherwise you're just playing with numbers. And, you know, I, I had a, one customer who, who did this really large, um, data uh, data warehouse project mm -hmm. where they tried to put together all this information. They used some AI to go through it and see how they can improve their process. And what they proved was PV equals NRT. <laughs> okay, well, that's useful, but yeah, we, because we the data scientists didn't put the math or the science into the calculations that they were doing, they didn't eliminate the PV equals NRT variable mm. of what they were looking at. So the thing that changed the most is, oh, somebody changes the pressure and look at this, the temperature changes. And that's, that's what's controlling the temperature. No, 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 no. We understand that, <coughs> you know, right. and, and so that's more than just understanding the data science and looking at the anomalies. Uh, yeah. You have to filter out the known interactions and that's science and chemistry and engineering yeah and i i think um when i when kind of when, when a lot of the data science thing was kind of coming to um you know just like coming to the forefront and i started hearing about data scientists i you know i, I talked to a few of them and I, I always remember one um one um one data science she, scientist she said to me she said you know um the first thing is to look at is can we just solve this using the um, you know normal mathematics and a normal um, you know normal process control type of equations? Is this you know just classic math mathematics, classic physics? Can this is this already being accomplished and solved by that uh, those methods? And are they doing a good job? If they are, then there's really no reason to proceed beyond that with you know something else with doing um, you know a lot of machine learning things. Um, so I think that I think that sounds like a classic example of that, where it really was, you know, just, you know, classic process control problem that was already being solved. And somebody, you know, try to do a machine learning thing and they just found out that, yeah, it's still that that same problem and you still solve it the same way. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, so. so I guess that's part of the struggle, right, where companies... And I, I'm experiencing this too with with some companies I'm working with, where you know the the mandate comes down. You know, we want to go through a digital transformation. We want to take all this data, put it in data lakes, put it in you know some kind of uh, you know um, a lot of a lot of talk about the technology, I guess. And then um, and and it's kind of like uh, look, the technology is looking for a problem to solve, but it seems like uh, it can be really tough to to go at it from that direction because you know now okay now that you have all your data there you know that i think it, you really have to have a data scientist come in if they're going to take that approach and find out okay how can we bring value from all this data there's got to be a, a lot a lot of serious work that would be you know um you know pretty pretty challenging to to go from that direction so i see that as a you know as one approach I don't know if it's the best approach um, necessarily, 
I, I always like to hear that there's already a problem that we're trying to solve, but we've already, we can't do it um, in the past. We haven't been able to do this. We've tried to do it a lot of times, um, but we can't, we can't do it. It's just been too hard. Is this something that we could use, you know, machine learning for, you know? And you and know, it, there are a lot of general problems out there to be solved for any process. For example, how can I make more widgets per hour? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the things I have to tune to make it go faster? How can I reduce the amount of energy I'm using? Is there something that I can do without reducing my throughput? You know, those are the kinds of questions that every company really wants to look at. So they have, so the questions are already out there. It's just, do you apply the right technology to look at them and, and to solve those things? What do you think, what do you think the biggest challenge is right now for you and your customers related to this subject? What's the, what are the hurdles that they're really kind of like stopping people or companies from being able to, you know, be successful? And, you know, what do you think it, what do you think it's going to take? Well, there, there are, that's a tough question because there are a lot <laughs> of things, but one thing that really hits me is the difference between IT and OT, right? Mm -hmm. IT is used to the business systems. You deal with your email and your databases and all that sort of OT is worrying about the manufacturing systems and what's what i've seen happen is a big company brings in a new cio he goes out to one of the plants and says oh you've got a computer here why isn't one of my it guys in charge of that computer right and yeah they're coming in thinking we can apply it rules to it um Typically, uh, an OT network is, is completely isolated or at least has a, a fairly good firewall or data diode to it. Um, and patches are not the same urgency. And in fact, I, I know firsthand getting these Microsoft patches every patch Tuesday, every now and then something breaks. It just right. breaks. Yeah. Well, that's okay on, on your IT side, but on your OT side, if, if it breaks and, and the plant comes to a halt or somebody dies because of it, what good is that? Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can't apply the same rules to IT and OT. And I see in the large corporate America where the, the CIOs don't understand that difference. Um, you know, CIOs that come from the business side. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, there are the good ones that that understand OT, but that's I think that's a minority, and uh, that's been my experience. So, do you? I mean, what's what? What do businesses need to do? You know, to be able to get past that, you know, that that problem. I mean, where does it? Where is it going to start? I mean, who's gonna who's gonna be able to stand up in a company and say, you know, um, IT OT, uh, they're They've been separate and, you know, there, there's obviously crossover and there's, but there's general lack of understanding, I guess, from, you know, from what you're saying from the IT side, um, you know, as far as the, the nature of the beast. And, you know, I see this a lot where people totally underestimate what's happening in OT. Um, they, they feel like they understand it, but they, they probably really don't. So I mean, what yeah. do you think is gonna? What do you think is gonna happen? I mean, how do, how do businesses overcome that? Because I, well, I, I, I see that too. You know, I think the thing that's gonna happen is they're gonna look at their productivity, and all of a sudden, productivity is gonna drop because of systems going down, because they're they're doing things to their systems that they shouldn't be, mm -hmm. and 
you know, somebody's going to finally say, why is this happening? And, you know, and, and they're going to have to dive down into it and they're going to have to find out, well, what we shouldn't be, be doing this. Yeah. What, what would be some advice? So, you know, because, you know, if, if you if you were to like give, give some advice to a company that's, you know, talking about digital transformation, right? Because that, that really seems like the word that, that, that's, that gets used. Uh, it starts at a CEO uh, level. We want to do a digital transformation. And so it, it typically drops down into a lot of times I've seen it drop to IT, right? Because they're the digital people. Yep. Um, and, you know, IT is more on the business side, the corporate side. And then um, and then from IT, uh, you know, IT starts saying, well, OK, we're talking about oper- we're talking about organization. We're talking about um, operations. And so then all of a sudden we're talking about operational data. And then it goes to the operations people. So there's like this, this, uh, this, you know, this flow of, you know, each time it's getting down to, okay, uh, each, each time it makes that jump, there's, there's, there's no understanding. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the C-level people aren't really understanding what IT has to do. And then IT isn't really understanding what OT has to do. And so there's just like this general and OT is kind of like looking at everybody and they're probably like, well, um, okay, <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> you know, they're just like, ah, not really sure. Right. So, I mean, what would be your advice to help people out? The real key is having advisors at the right levels, you mm-hmm. know, especially higher up that, that have the right background to advise people like a CIO or director of IT, um, what's going on in OT and, and what the differences are. Uh, whether it be an outside consultant or it could be somebody like director of operations who understands the stuff, uh, who, who is an engineer, mm-hmm. um, because most of these guys in IT are not engineers. Right. And I think uh, having engineers who understand the process, understand what's going on, uh, have, to, have to be listened to. They can't be dictated to. Uh, you, and I think that's really the key. And I think yeah. a good CIO would understand that and, 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 and will listen. And I think that's the critical thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, do you, have you seen, like, what are some of the characteristics of a, of a company that's successful on this front versus maybe characteristics of a company that's not? Have you have you seen like certain companies being being able to because, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, end of the day, we're talking about innovation. Right. Yep. And, and we need to innovate. And, and, we, and innovation means that we're going to take maybe some some things that exist and we're going to figure out how to uh, put all that together and, and do something that maybe hasn't been done before. Um, it, it's not it's not the same as invention. Right. Inventing is some, creating something completely new. But innovating is kind of like we're iterating on maybe technology that's that's there. So I think, you know, my, my opinion is, okay, a company needs to be innovative, first of all. Do you have, uh, like, have you seen characteristics of companies where they seem to be more successful at, at pulling this off than maybe companies that aren't? Yeah, and it's typically because of somebody in the right spot with the right vision. Mm. Uh, typically somebody, you know, on the OT side that understands the process that maybe is no longer involved in the process and is more involved in the management and understands what it is. I, I have one customer who was very, very successful in 
um, in innovating and, and creating value from the data. And mm -hmm. he, he was a process engineer, but he spent all his time on the computer systems. Mm -hmm. And because he understood the process and because he would talk to the people out in the plant and w he was able to develop applications that really made the plant a lot more efficient. Mm -hmm. um, I have one customer that, that, that was very successful at that. What they did is they had, they had 50 plants around the world. Mm -hmm. They were small plants. And they had typically two to four operators per plant. Be after they started taking all of their data from the pie and distributing it, they found that they were able to operate with one operator for every four plants. Wow. So wow. the cost savings was enormous. But what's even better was the operational efficiency because the reason they only needed one, because they knew when things were going to happen before they'd mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. wow. And that was, and that was because the manager understood the process and understood computers enough to direct somebody like me to build something. Yeah. So, so, so it sounds like then to find these key people, right? Look in your organization, find these people that can kind of like, I, I see it as like almost being like bilingual, right? Where you can speak exactly. You can speak to two different uh, groups, and you can you can kind of translate and and filter, you know. And so, you know, first of all, are there people in your company that can can do that? You know, do they exist? Find them if they do. Um, put them to work. Give them you know whatever title and however much money they need because they're the, they're the key to you know being able to make this 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 step. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I've seen that before in, in companies where they're successful. They really have uh, these key people, um, and it, it tends to be a technical person, is what I found. Is that is that is this more of a technical person in your mind? Oh, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, um, very technical, but also be able to think in a business way and able to, you know, uh, I, I think that you know, there's, yeah, there's that. <laughs> that uh that gap like i think you identified it perfectly between it and ot where if, if there's going to be a breakdown you know that that's really kind of the place to look for it and and figuring out how to um how to, how to uh you know find find these people within the company that can fill that fill that gap that's gonna you know that it's gonna be there um you know i think the other thought i had too when you talked about the plants and the number of operators to me what that that sounds like is uh is visibility right people are getting uh, visibility into an operation at all levels you know like managers are able to see and and people are able to make uh you know a larger group of people are, are able to make decisions about what's going to happen in operations right it's not relying on uh somebody in a control room 24 7 anymore um maybe you don't need them there anymore 24 7 monitoring a dashboard that it actually could be automated and then the decisions can get pushed to a different level. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, some of the systems we built would even send out emails to the people that had to travel from plant to plant telling them which plant they needed to go to next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. I could keep talking forever here, but I think we're at the 30 minute mark and that's where I cut it off. So, <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately I think this is a, this is probably a good, um, 
yeah, this is probably a good place to stop, I think. Um, David, this has been really great. So um, I just, yeah, I'm really glad that you, you know, you volunteered to jump on this podcast. Uh, it's brand new. Looking forward to when I get it out. Um, so anyway, if people want to find you um, online, what's what's the best way to get contact you? Um, well, if, if you go to our website, www.omicron.com, that's O-M-I-C-R-O-N.com. Or, of course, you can use D-S-O-L-L at omicron.com for my email. So I'm pretty easy to find. Cool. Awesome. Well, perfect. Thanks. Thanks again, David. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on today. And uh, yeah, best of luck with COVID-19 and everything. Hopefully we'll make it through this. Yep.